bounce about nothing but the tide. The tide better kick the butt till the team for the game does do job. Let's get out there and blitz, blitz. Knock the hole in there for the running back. You can't do that, get the hell out of here. Power can still get in the playoff. And we gonna get in there. And we don't give a fence about nothing but the tide. But there's a whole lot of football left. Let's go. Well, there you go. Uh, I guess that's a positive reaction uh, to the hire. Kayla DeBoer uh, there at Alabama. I mean, it really is a fascinating uh, case study, whatever you want to call it. You got a coach that is incredibly smart, uh Brilliant offensive mind uh, by anyone that knows what they're talking about. That's what they say about him. He hasn't been a whole lot of places, but where he's been, he's he's done some really good things. Um, I that part is going to be uh, offensively. I think it's got to be really exciting times for Alabama. The interesting thing is what happens on defense. They've had some incredible offenses over the years at Alabama. Clearly, Heisman, running backs, wide receivers, quarterbacks, uh, great offensive linemen. And, but they're known for, and the constant has been defense. Like, I wonder what, how that dynamic changes. But who he hires that defensive coordinator, that seems like that may be the most critical thing, uh, like the biggest the biggest move that he has to make right out of the gate is the perfect hire at defensive coordinator. And regionally, does, does the fact that he's never coached in the South, and I don't know like, how much he's recruited in the South, probably not a whole lot, I mean, Sure, he has to some degree. Everyone does, but like those connections, like how big is that gonna? How big of an impact is that gonna have on him negatively or positively if he can figure that out? I think that's just like the biggest thing for him moving forward. But in the meantime, I gotta imagine for Oklahoma, for everyone else in the SEC. I got to feel like now is the time to strike and get in and maybe be able to outmuscle Alabama on a on a couple of recruits here and there. You know, they've been basically, I don't have it in front of me. I guess I could go back. They were number 2 in recruiting this year. I'm guessing last year they were probably they were number 1 last year. They've been number 1 or number 2. Pretty much, they were number uh, two in 2022. I, they've been one or two almost every single year. Does that stop? And if it does, like even if you're now number three, or you're you're four or five, you're in the top five, but. The difference between having the number one class and the number three class oftentimes can be dramatic. Oh, yeah. So 
Like, can he keep the lifeblood of that program going the way Saban has? Like, that's been really what has kept them going, the fact that they've been able to be the number one recruiting class in the country almost every single year over the last, you know, 12 years or something. That's, I mean, the championships and all of that has been impressive, but if, if, if he can't replicate that, that's going to be where it's noticed right away. Yeah, they've, they've recruited well for such a long time, and, you know, getting those top guys out of Texas, which Oklahoma's done a great job of recruiting out of Texas, but I think it helps them even more now to get yeah. some of those top guys from that state. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm curious to see how all that goes. And, I again, I think the impact right away for Oklahoma – is is good it's good i got to go back to 2018 so that's the 24 23 22 21 20 19 at six recruiting classes but where they weren't number one or number two just a, Um, a lot of pressure for him coming in there and be able to keep the standard that is to get a top five class (laughs) it feels like every single season yeah well Top five class isn't. He's losing ground massively if he just has a top five class. Oh yeah. To keep pace, it's got to be a top one or two. Yeah. So, I don't know. Um, when you've seen, I mean, obviously this was early on in the week, but Alabama's DC Kevin Steele uh, retired. So you mentioned he is looking for a defensive coordinator, and when he was at Washington this year, they were not very good defensively so that's going to be a big thing for him when he gets uh, to Alabama is to be able to recruit on the defensive side and be able to put you know a really good defense out there yeah yeah interesting stuff um we got anything on the text line worth getting into 713 says Tennessee a 98 percent chance prediction to Tennessee I'm not I think he's talking about that offensive lineman from LSU oh, that yeah. came down to Tennessee and Oklahoma. Lately, it feels like that's going to lean uh, towards Tennessee. Yeah. Man, that would be big time if they could pull that off. It doesn't look like it's going to happen, but I don't know. You never know. Um, it just depends what they really think of the player. I Because the need is definitely there. And if you feel like that's a that's a first round player, I it, it wouldn't it wouldn't shock me if you saw Oklahoma kind of stretch what they've typically done nil wise a bit, maybe a a big bit to land a player like that. It all comes down to what they honestly feel about the evaluation. I, if he's a if he's a game changer, he's a he's a shoe in first round pick on the offensive line. I mean, considering the circumstances, considering everything that's what the future holds, and going to a new conference and the pressure that's mounting, like it wouldn't shock me if they stretched what they've typically done a bit. But I doubt they go above what everyone else is. Yeah. As far as NIL stuff. Zalance Hurd, that's the offensive tackle from LSU, yeah. 6'6", 305. Yeah, 
That's a yeah, big body. Three oh five. I thought he was like three forty. Oh, I see three oh five on on three. Maybe yeah, maybe some other sides have him bigger than that. Okay. Seven two zero says I'm sick to my stomach while OU or with OU O line recruiting. Does BV just not care enough about the O line? Everyone knows the O line is in shambles and the program is not doing what it needs to improve. Now say that again. Sorry. I no, could. you're good. I'm sick to my stomach with OU O-line recruiting. Does BV just not care enough about the O-line? Everybody knows the O-line is in shambles, and the program is not doing what it needs to to improve. In shambles? Yeah, I don't know about that. I feel like offensive line recruiting the last two years has been maybe the best it's been in decades, a decade, not decades. Um, like our recruiting class this year on the offensive line, I think, is excellent. Eugene Brooks just had one of the better – he was one of the better-looking offensive linemen at the, the Under Armour deal. Um, I think what they got in Akinkumi – he looks really, really promising. Eddie Pierre-Louis looks really, really promising. I, are they talking about transfer portal? I don't know. Yeah, maybe that. I was about to say, I thought OU recruited very well on the offensive line. But with last these guys year they got a five-star tackle in Caden Green. Now, they weren't able to keep him. He left. But uh, offensive line recruiting has been good. Now, transfer portal, you know, it's interesting. Man, Here's the thing. I know. I, I I get it. The easiest thing in the world is to be able to look at every offensive line uh, prospect that hits the portal and go out and pay above asking to ensure that you get the guy to come in. That's the easy thing to do. But... That is not the best way to build a successful program. It's just not. Every time you do that, you're asking every other player, like, they're going to start coming and asking for more money. This isn't the NFL. In the NFL, if this was free agency and you had a tackle out there, you'd go out there and you'd pay above market to bring in that tackle. And he'd be under contract for five years. Right? And you'd add him to that room. You'd add him into a, an offensive line room with a bunch of other guys that are under contract. Right? They're under contract. They can't say, oh, you just signed this left tackle in free agency and paid him. X amount of dollars, I think I should make X amount of dollars. And if you don't pay me X amount of dollars, I'm going to hit free agency. It doesn't work like that in the NFL. They're under contract. They can't do anything. In college football, it doesn't work like that. If you bring in a guy, especially a guy that hasn't hardly played, has a handful of, of, of snaps as a freshman, and you pay a huge amount of money for him, all the guys that have played and big, big contributors are going to come up and be like, what's that all about? 
this kid that's never played before is getting this huge NIL deal, and I started all season last year. I think I should get more NIL. And if I don't get more NIL, I'm going to go in the transfer portal after spring ball. It's not as easy as it seems to just go and open up the checkbook for everyone. Well, it shows how and tough it, to keep those young, talented offensive linemen, especially, yeah. you know, we talk about Caden Green, played a lot as a freshman and just wanted more money at the end of the day. That's just how it works now. I just don't think that's – I don't think that's the best way to go about it. Yeah. And I, and I definitely don't think that you're going to see that from Venables. And it's not because he doesn't care about the offensive line. Brent Venables understands just as well as everyone else does that it's a line of scrimmage sport, and you got to be able to win on the line of scrimmage. And it's the hardest thing to do in college football is to get those players to your school. And they're doing a really, really good job of bolstering what they've got on the line of scrimmage. Do they wish they could go out and handpick? Um a bunch of top guys, yeah, probably so, but that's just not going to be the case. Well, and they just—they got someone from who's the guy they got from uh, USC that I think he, yeah, he'll come in. He's got a lot of experience. He's got a lot of experience, but you know, he's—he's he's not a plug-and-play starter. He's not Walter Rouse, who came from Stanford that played a bunch of college football. I think Tarquin is going to be. I think he's going to be depth. I don't think he'll be a starter. But he adds depth. Now, the kid from North Texas, he got a chance to compete and be a starter and oh, be yeah. really good. Well, de- the kid the from bi- Michigan State's got a chance yeah. to compete for a starting job. I, You know, I think he's got – he doesn't have a ceiling like a Guyton had or, or something like that. And I don't even know if he can be as good as Walter Rouse, but he can compete for a starting spot. Yeah, they get, they brought some guys in that are going to have a chance to get in a starting role and provide depth, like you just said. And based off watching last year, that's what that's what OU that's what OU needs up there on the offensive line. Because there was how many plug and plays did we see throughout the season with uh, with the offensive line, and a bunch of those guys were uh, young guys. I mean, freshmen, sophomores stepping in there. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Uh, you know, I I think they'll, I feel pretty strongly that Bean, Beanbow's going to end up putting together a pretty good group, um, a solid group. And wait, is it going to be as good as this year? I don't know. I think they'll probably end up being around that range. Are they going to be better? Well, it depends if they can land another player or two. From the portal, maybe, you know, the, the second portal window is, is something they're going to be looking at as well. I mean, who knows what happens with Alabama guys over the next 30 days with their their new uh, portal window that they've got because of the coaching change. I don't know. I just have to, have to watch it. And bottom line is this. They need to continue. They need to build through development. It would almost be better long-term, maybe like once they get their eyes on some of these guys, if you don't bring – like they need to develop the young guys. 
And the herd guys made me a bad example. He's a young guy too, so you can bring that. He's a he's a guy you can bring in and develop. But you know, every time that you just punch up a portal uh, offensive lineman for a, a one year start, a rental, you're you're stunting the growth and development of a young guy on your roster that would have been in that spot going through the hard knocks, getting starting coaching, starting experience through camp and spring ball and all of that. Those guys get stunted whenever you bring someone in over the top of them. So, I mean, it's a delicate balance. You just can't go out and rent a new offensive line every single year. It's just t- tough decision-making in this college football, whether or how good the player is up there on the offensive line. Do you want to bring him in for, you know, just one season? Or you can develop someone else, and he's got you, what, three or two or three more years in your system. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it, offensive line is – it takes a while to develop. I mean – that's part like you you get in this perpetual hole because you go out and you bring in a one-year rental because he's just going to be a senior and he's played a lot of snaps at cal or miami of ohio or wherever it might be and he's got experience so you can plug him in but like he got to where he is because he had to play at these places as a young player and develop and get better, you know? And if you've got young guys that are have a higher ceiling, you almost got to take your medicine and, you know, to a certain degree, throw those guys out there and let them come of age. I mean, it's the only way you're going to get there. If you continue to go over the top of them with just solid one-year rentals, it's going to be hard for those guys to really blossom. You know, it's the it's the battle you have in college football. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. Final hour rolls on. Stay tuned. Rush is back. Couple of segments here on a Friday. Hanging out Riverwind Casino. Six five one three four three nine. Knippelmeyer text line. Let's go to it right now, Connor. What we got? 713 says, losing Hurd would be disappointing. He is young but could have evened out losing Green. Impacting outlook for that group. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's – Yeah, it's tough. You, yeah, you want to get guys in the portal, but especially if they're younger guys. And we yeah. mentioned earlier in the last segment, but if they're guys that can give you two or three years instead of just coming, coming in and having just one year. Well – I think, honestly, that what Oklahoma does with a guy like that tells you probably more about what they think of what their situation may be moving forward. Right? If they go in and put together a huge NIL deal to, to, keep, to get him here, probably tells you they feel like we – I mean, we – we're thin. We don't know what the future holds. This kid could, because, you know, I don't know. It still feels like to me there's going to be a level of unknown with him considering how little he played. Maybe that's not the case. I don't know. I haven't seen a whole lot or talked to anyone about him. 
Uh, maybe it's just a surefire thing. But I, if they're willing to say, like, if they've got a good connection there, he wants to be here, and it's just coming down to money, and I, they let that pass, it probably tells you that they feel pretty strongly about what they've got coming in and what they've already got on campus and the development aspect of it. Well, and they, they show a 341K NIL value for Zalen's herd, which I'm not, I'm not caught up. I can't tell if that's a, yeah. <laughs> like a huge number in uh, really good players that are in the portal. But that looks like a pretty decent amount of money if you wanted to get him in. That's so dumb. <laughs> you know what his NIL value is worth? It's probably worth like, I, I'm saying like true name, image, and likeness as a freshman or going to be a sophomore, I guess, offensive lineman. His NIL value is probably like 500 bucks. Oh, yeah. Right? So, like, it ain't 340 grand. There ain't no way. For an offensive lineman that may or may not even be a starter whenever you get here. Hey, you want to talk about a superstar wide receiver? Your best running back, your quarterback, best defensive players? Okay. Those guys can make some money for sure. An offensive lineman that hadn't played a snap ain't worth 340k a year. Yeah, that's what's dumb to me is those younger guys, those freshmen, even step even before stepping on campus, you know, getting a lot of money to me to me that's just crazy i mean you gotta you gotta work for that yeah it's i mean it's the value isn't like how much money can you make in nil it's how much does it cost to get you here over what the other schools are going to pay like like that's what it is it's not nil value it's it's free agent value is what it is you know it's it's like what's the going rate for the player and what he brings you on the floor or on the field it's not what he can make in the in a true open market for name image and likeness which just you know showcases the full absurdity of the system that college football is right now because everybody knows that like what i'm saying isn't anything that's like groundbreaking to it's what everybody already knows which is it's a scam it's not name image and likeness it's pay for play which is exactly what it's not supposed to be and it's what florida state you know if this florida state deal you know getting these um sanctions put on them for NIL doesn't show you, hey, don't you dare challenge the the college football system. You you challenge the college uh, football system, guess what's going to happen? We're going to slap uh, a three-game ban for some of your assistants, and you're going to get penalties for NIL stuff. Right? Yeah. I mean, that's what happens. They didn't do anything that you probably could find it every other school or a high number of the other schools out there, but you rattled the cage and they came came looking around is what it looks like.
I was about to say, Florida State's going to get in trouble for this, but you can – there's so many other teams, it feels like, that are doing this that just, you know, haven't gotten caught. Florida State just happened uh, to be the team. Yeah. UConn, yeah. UConn Al says, with, with pay for play, are you developing players for your own team or the team that has more money for them next year? Well, that is the age-old question. <laughs> and I saw – I saw this quote years ago, and I don't know who to attribute it to. I feel like it may be uh, Steve Jobs, but I'm I'm not sure. Um, it goes something like this. Um, it's talking about like training your employees and spending money to train your employees. It's like. What happens if you spend all of this money developing and training your employees and they leave? And the response is, what if you don't spend money developing and training your employees and they stay? Yeah. You know, so that's kind of the thing is you don't have a choice. Yeah. You, you're definitely pouring a ton of resources into these kids to get them here, to get them up to speed with what it takes to play college football, grades, strength and conditioning, nutrition, health, all of that time and effort you spent on them. And at the end of a year or two years, right, whenever they're ready to take the field, they can bounce on you. That's right. I mean, that's the risk that you have to take. I mean – it's a stupid system. Someone sent us an article and then a text here. It says breaking. This thing is from yesterday, but Texas QB Quinn Ewers. Sudden declaration for 2024 appends NFL draft world. But, yeah, yesterday Quinn Ewers finally announced that he is returning to Texas in 2024. Yeah. Which, did you see him? I haven't gotten a look, but if he did enter the NFL draft, you know, where, where would he be at? in the draft like what what round hard to say hard to say i mean i i mean it, it all just depends on how desperate some teams are right i don't think right now he's a i, I don't think he'd be a quality nfl starter i think he'd be a serviceable nfl backup I mean, maybe my mind could be changed if he went to the right place. I think he throws a really nice ball, but he lacks he lacks explosiveness. He he lacks the ability to move and then like hammer a ball in across his body. Like if things are perfect, the pro- pocket is clean and he he sees it good pre-snap. He can be really accurate and throws a really nice ball, but he just just not dynamic. Doesn't do a whole lot. Well, he doesn't really look smooth out. When when he transferred yeah. from Ohio State to Texas, yeah, I'm with you. I didn't know he, you know, he couldn't move very well. He does not look very comfortable uh, back there playing quarterback. But he does throw a good ball. But yeah, I'm I'm not seeing him being if he did turn pro. He's not going to be a starter from the get go. It would definitely take him a few years. If I, mean, he I think to he's a I think he's probably like a mid-round guy. Yeah. I mean, he's he's he ain't 
he's not even close to the top guys. He is not close to Penix. He is not close to Drake May. He's not close to Caleb Williams. You're talking about an entirely different type of athlete at quarterback. Jaden Daniels, it is those two players are not even in the same stratosphere. Yeah. Right? So I don't know. I mean, where would he get he get drafted? I think he'd probably be a higher draft pick than Dylan Gabriel. You yeah. know, if Dylan Gabriel went to the the NFL, I think they're both good players that don't have the ceiling of a guy like Penix or Jaden Daniels or Caleb Williams or Drake May. I mean, there's there's some good stuff there, but there's some built-in there's a built-in ceiling that's just not at least at the moment for me not anywhere close for to a first round pick. Well, man, you saw the big separation in that semifinal game from Penix to Ewers. It's not even close. You can you can see why Penix is a first round draft pick and will have a chance well, to start right away for an NFL team. Well, Quinn Ewers is like a I mean, athletically he's he's like a he he's just like a, an average looking guy. I mean, it's just a an average guy with like for for the NFL for quarterback. I mean, I don't know where he'd be, but I mean, Jane Daniels is like he's six foot four, like two hundred fifteen, two hundred twenty pounds, and can run like crazy. And I mean, Drake May is 6'4", like 235 pounds, and crazy athletic. Like, Quinn Ewers is like 6'1", 195 oh, I know. pounds. I know. You know? It- I, like, I'm, I'm not trying to hammer on the kid, but for – and I think he's a, a good college quarterback. Again, I, like, I'm, I know this sounds like I'm bashing him, I think he's. I think he does a lot of good things in Sark's system, especially whenever he was surrounded by some really good players. He's good at distributing the football, and that's not a knock. That's. I think that's something that he's good at. He's just not a playmaker. And in the NFL, because of the the level of play, covering in the secondary, the underneath players, and obviously the pass rush, you have to be able to make plays. Yeah. You can't it's you you're just not gonna be able to sit in the pocket, pat the ball and throw it to wide open guys down the field like like he was able to at Texas. Well, just, well and the thing with him the last two years that's makes him look good if is Texas being able to run the ball and they got really good O line play and that obviously makes the quarterback, you know, yeah. look a lot better back there. Yeah. How big is Penix? Uh six three, two fifteen. See he's a I mean, he's got, he's got at least two inches, maybe more, and twenty pounds, maybe more on, on Quinn Ewers. So, I don't, I just, I don't think he's, I don't, I don't think he's anywhere close to a first round pick. And I, I mean, I could be con, maybe convinced otherwise, but he'd have to like turn into a totally different dude between this year and next year. The same, 
the same problems I like I said before the OU Texas game that I think Quinn Ewers is just okay. And that turned into some big deal on social media and everyone at you know, Texas was blowing a gasket. Well, he went out and in that game looked like just a guy and looked the same throughout the entire season. When things are great, throws a beautiful ball. When things aren't great, becomes chaotic, panicky, not athletic enough to get himself into position to make plays down the field. That's I saw the same exact thing the entire year. So, all right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. A couple of segments remain. Stay tuned. Rush is back. We got a super short segment here. Um, we took it, well, I took it way too long in the last segment. Let's see what the text line has to offer up real quick. Yeah, I tell you, someone asked about what your guys' thoughts of Casey Thompson coming in. Love it. Love it. Listen to listen to this. Oh, you'll love this. Um some dork from I'm guessing this is a Texas fan sent a tweet and tagged me in it. <laughs> uh oh no. Let me see if I can find it. It was um here we go. Would love to hear your thoughts on Casey Thompson running from competition with Ewers in 22, but thinking he can be Arnold in 24. Maybe Ewers is more than just a guy, Ted. Good for Arnold, though. He's not ready to start, guys. Just saying. So stupid. Um, I I don't care about Casey Thompson, whether or not he was running from competition with Ewers or not in 22. Don't care. Uh, and I don't think he thinks for a moment that he's coming to Oklahoma to beat out Jackson Arnold in 24, right? Yeah. Um, and no, maybe Ewers is more than just a guy, Ted. No, he's not. Until proven otherwise, that is exactly what he is. Um, I think it's awesome that Casey Thompson is coming um, to get a guy – that's got a pretty nice skill set. The amount of games he started and played in, a lot of them big-time games. I mean, the the guy threw five touchdowns OU Texas. Say what you want about that, like, whatever. He's played and performed well at times in some big games. He's got a nice skill set, experienced, athletic enough. He... He's going to be one of the better backup quarterbacks that you'll see. I mean, you just don't have often the luxury in college football to have a guy that's, I don't know, how many, he's probably started 20 games Yeah. In, in power five football. To have a guy that's played that much be a backup quarterback in your system willingly, like, that that's something that teams just don't have. So I think it's great. Well, we saw how important it is to have a good backup quarterback. Oh my god! Two years ago, forty-nine nothing loss. I mean, it is big time. Obviously, he's going to come in and you know compete for a job. I'm not sure what the talk was like with him and the OU coaching staff. Sure, but he's going to come in and compete. I know most people are expecting him to be the backup to Arnold, but 
Yeah, I mean, he's going to compete and, yeah, push Arnold. Yeah, let's be honest. Um, the, the the, The way to get the best out of Jackson Arnold is to have someone nipping at his heels. And, you know, a guy that's got some experience that comes in with, you know, probably low expectations but is ready to work and and learn and, and be a mentor and help these guys and uh with hawkins coming in like you don't want a room full of young guys that don't know what they're doing you want a a, a decent mix of experience levels and athleticism and all of those things um and i think the the fact that they may or may be able to add him is awesome awesome I love it. And it sets up and, for Arn- well, it sets up for Arnold good to have Gabriel, a veteran quarterback we know. And then your next year, hey, you got another veteran quarterback who's played a lot of college football that can help you out and show you the ropes. Yeah, yeah. I love it. I think it's great. All right, let's hit a timeout. We'll come back. Final segment is next here from Riverwind. Rush is back. Final segment. Teddy Lehman here. Connor hanging out back in studio. It's been awesome, dude. Couple hours with you on Friday. It's been fun. It's been great, man. Yeah, and dude, looking forward to some college basketball tomorrow. My wife yeah. and sister are going to get up in the morning, and we're going to head to Lawrence uh, for the game. First time being in the fog, so yeah, it should be a lot look of fun. at you. I know. And Ty- by Tyler, the way, Tyler left tonight or today, later tonight, to beat the weather. So, yeah, it's going, to be, it's going to be interesting to see what the weather's like tomorrow and then driving back, of course. Beat the weather? Like, what does that <laughs> even mean? I mean, it's going to be cold the whole time. There's, is there snow and stuff? I, I, sp- uh, I, I don't know. I thought I saw some snow later on. Might have went, went away. Uh, but, yeah, there's, some, there's definitely some snow up there in Lawrence right now. Oh, uh, I see. <laughs> well, Maybe smart by him. Let we know he left to get there for happy hour uh, in Lawrence is what he did. Oh yeah, which I I can't knock him for that. Well, safe travels up there, man. Appreciate That's it. gonna. What do you think? What what's what's your final prediction? Gosh, man, I, I want to see a win so bad. I I think for sure they can keep it close. They'll they'll play much better than they did against TCU, and they're getting Kansas uh, coming off a disappointing loss to UCF. Yeah. You got you got to protect the paint, man, against Kansas. They got some big bodies down there that can uh, really play. Yeah, um, I think we got a shot. We got a, the text we had uh, early in the show is probably right. They're going to have to be able to shoot lights out. Um, you know, play play as good defense as they can, get some stops. But if they can shoot well. Play good on offense and just not turn the daggum ball over. Yeah, they got a chance to beat anyone um, if they can avoid the horrendous officiating the last two minutes. That's the big um, thing. Yeah, man. If you can find a way to see McComas in the arena whenever you're there, <laughs> see if you can video him uh, when there's a minute left. We got to like a three-point lead, and they call a, a flagrant or something bad on Oklahoma. See if you I want to see his expression, some, yeah. I'm yeah. sure he'll be fired up. Some zoomed-in coverage. Um, all right, you're, you've been following Baker. Final pick, uh, Bucks and Eagles. I was trying to f- see Oh, what, we can pick that Monday. <laughs> I know. It, it feels weird that, yeah, it's, it's on a Monday night. But 
What, what about what about Chiefs and Dolphins? I think the Chiefs kill them. And I don't think the Chiefs are all that good this year. Um, I, they're, they, the Dolphins went from having a chance to win their last game of the season and host a home playoff game down there in beautiful Miami to losing and going to play in one of the coldest games in the history of the NFL outside on the road against the Kansas City Chiefs. That game was over before it even started. Yeah. Now watch them show up and, and and get it done. But, I mean, to me, that's an e- that's the easiest prediction I've ever had. Yeah, I think the Dolphins continue their you know trend of playing well against below 500 teams and just stinking it up against teams like, yeah, the Chiefs. I'm that's trying sa- to- that's sa- yeah, Saturday night at 7 p.m. That's gonna be, dude, that is going to be freezing cold. I'm sure the text line's reminding us, the last easiest prediction I ever had was that USC is going to get absolutely housed in their bowl game, bowl game by Louisville, and uh, they went out and won the dang thing. Back at quarterback throws for what over 400 yards. Oh, he looked good. He looked good. All right, that's it for us. Text line, you guys were awesome as always. You drive the show. We're just along for the ride. You know what time it is? Ice cold Pacifico time. <laughs>